coming to you live from Plunkett Studios in beautiful Largo, Florida. We are keeping you plugged in with episode 449 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology. This week, Verizon doesn't think you need unlimited data. Twitter's popularity grows in interesting places, and Netflix wants to make a lot of what you watch. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here. And wherever you are and however you may be accessing our show, whether it be Facebook, iTunes, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, on Stitcher, or uh, Livestream, or of course on our apps, plugitslive.com slash apps. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join us wherever you are. Uh, this here is F5 Live Refreshing Technology, our flagship show on the Plunkett's Live family of content. We are live every Sunday night at about 9 o'clock uh, Eastern Time. Sometimes things happen um, and we go a little later, and that's okay. Um, but one of the cool things about joining us live uh, is that you can chat with us in the studio about the topics as we talk about them. Um, and you can do that by going to f5live.tv slash join us. If you're joining us in our uh, subscription feed, we appreciate you doing that as well. If you want to subscribe, you can go to f5live.tv and click the subscribe buttons on the right-hand side. From there, you can get to all of our shows, including F5 Live, the Pilch Point, our special events feed, uh, the First Look series, and our new series, um, called uh, the New Product Launchpad, whose episodes will start airing soon. Uh, well, you can subscribe to all of those by going to f5live.tv. Uh, so however you're joining us, we appreciate it. Um, with that said, Abram, how are you doing? Good, good, pretty good. You've, you've had yourself a, a busy day? Yeah, busy, busy <laughs> day, busy weekend. Uh, testing... Uh, uh, my son helped me test a uh, a robotic uh, toy this weekend. Ooh, so we that sounds psyched. like fun. We tested the Hot Wheels AI track. Uh, uh, you can expect some coverage of that on Tom's Guide really soon. <laughs> but uh, he used to say it was a real hit with him. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, it's been busy. Well, that's good to hear. Um, it's... I, I don't know about you. I know it's the end of September, but around here we're already ramping up for CES. <laughs> yeah. Book the flight. Booking meetings already. Yep. A little bit. Um, you know, trying to plan things out. So, yeah, it seems like it's just around the corner. It starts. But I could wait. Honest, <laughs> I could wait. It starts to feel that way about July sometimes, but. I can wait. CES is the most important uh, tech event of the year, but it's not the mo necessarily the most fun. <laughs> yeah, I can I can definitely understand that. I uh, yeah. there are aspects of it that are the most fun aspects of the year, but the show as a whole is exhausting. Yeah, exactly. I mean seeing like seeing some people i don't usually see throughout the year yeah. uh, like like seeing you for example <laughs> it is the 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 best reason for the show and why i go but man it's uh, it's stress getting around over there 
Um, anyway, yeah. we can get into that another time. But yeah, we're already uh, we're already there. <laughs> we're already getting getting there. We're we're trying to figure out who our team's going to be this year. So, and uh, for those of you who follow our coverage regularly, there will be some changes to what happens uh, this year. Uh, the Tech Podcast Network live show will not be happening, um, but we will have a little broadcast booth where we'll be able to do some stuff. Avram and I have been talking about some ideas and how we may be able to put it to use. And so there's uh, there will be some new things that TPN has never done before. Uh, there will be a lot more floor interviews because all of our team members will be spending the majority of their time on the floor this year, which will be nice. So our coverage will be a little different, but um, still as uh, vast and of course, in uh, two weeks, we have uh, Roboticon, which um, is going to screw a lot of things up for us. <laughs> we have to pull the whole studio down a lot more than we normally do. So our show will not be on Sunday that uh, that week. It'll be on Saturday. But so we've got some stuff coming up. Um, it'll be an interesting couple of weeks. And then CES. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. Um, we we should talk some stuff. How's that sound? Yep. Sounds good. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you are a student, small business, developer, consumer, the Microsoft Store has something for you. Students right now can save $300 on select Surface Pro 4s. Um, you can get a $150 gift code with select Surface purchases for anybody. Of course, the Gears of War uh, uh, Xbox One bundle is out. The new Xbox Ones and the custom controllers, which Avram and I have talked about on the show before, um, are super cool and available now. Um, and of course, all kinds of other stuff. Uh, football's back in season. You can get your Surface Pro three and four type cover with all of the NFL teams, all of that and more, of course, available at the Microsoft Store by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So uh, I read that those, those uh, type covers are really good for the Pro 3. Like they're a, they're a huge update to what is available <laughs> for the Pro Three, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, the NFL ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, because the Pro Four one has been pretty is really quite good. Uh. I mean, the the key travel and the key feel on the Pro Four, even on I would say the even the older ones like the Pro Three, um, and the non Pro Three actually a pretty good key feel i think the biggest question mark always is how how does it feel when you put it on your on your lap and yeah. is the palm rest providing good enough support for your wrist but the the actual key feel of them is actually all is excellent on on uh, on the newest on the newest generation and even the older ones is not bad either yeah certainly better than the than the original couple that were a little rough i I like the three and four much better than the one that I have sitting in front of me. But that's not what we're going to talk about tonight. Let's talk about an interesting statement by the uh, chief financial officer of Verizon. 
who said that, uh, yeah, you, you don't need unlimited data. Um, and by you, I mean whoever is listening. Uh, it was a pretty general statement that people just people don't need unlimited data. Um, obviously, uh, that is in stark contrast to the beliefs of the rest of the industry who have started to move back to unlimited plans. Uh, obviously, it's it's Verizon's way of explaining the fact that they are kind of the only ones to not have some sort of a an option for unlimited data at this point. Um, but, you know, in, in a market, you can differentiate yourself. And one of the things that Verizon has been pretty good at, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, one of the things Verizon has always done, I suppose, is um, not had knee-jerk reactions to the other company's decisions. From time to time, they do. But they tend to to sit back and consider things before jumping on to what the other guys are doing. So that could be what's happening here too. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think that Verizon thinks that uh, the power of their network, which is often uh, considered to be in many tests shows up as being the best network, uh, is good enough that their, and their market position is good enough that they don't need to get into a price war with with the other companies, yeah. such as T-Mobile, which its position as a kind of a plucky underdog allows it to do this where like all their new plans now are unlimited plans. And Sprint, I think, is mostly unlimited too, but AT&T, is AT&T going to offer an unlimited now? Uh, they offer similar to what T-Mobile used to do, where there's the, the like, massive speed cut at a certain point and and by the way i was reading the details and the t-mobile one actually i think after a certain number of gigabytes they do give you a massive speed cut okay that could be uh i think it's 26 gigabytes now that's still pretty good <laughs> folks i mean 26 gigabytes is really good yeah so i'm gonna come out on the air and tell you what and, and tell you that i i'm a verizon customer and I got recently experienced the downside of this, uh, of the not having unlimited data. I I was grandfathered into our unlimited plan for a while, and and it was because I've been on Verizon for like fifteen years or so, like forever, um, and I was grandfathered into their unlimited plan, and then they raised the price in the unlimited plan and I looked and I was like well I'm never really using more than five or six gigs of data and usually actually less than that uh, like six gigs of data is usually how what what I'm using the month of CES because the CES is my most data consuming time of year because I'm uploading videos and using my phone as a hotspot oh yeah um, and, me too <laughs> you know but other months you know it might be like three gig or something like that so between my wife and I, we signed up for the six gig plan and man, we got like the second month in, in August, I got slammed. I don't know what happened exactly, but I like 15 days before the end of the month, I got this thing saying you're about to run out of data and you're going to get a $10 overage charge. Hmm. Uh, and so 
you know, we upgraded, <laughs> I upgraded us to eight gigabytes and I'm hoping that that's good enough for the time being. I mean, I think part of it was, part of it was at work, they had asked people like, don't, don't use the Wi-Fi network here uh, for yeah. like Spotify. And so I was listening to Spotify while I worked and I was doing it over my, my cellular connection. And that was like really taxing it. But anyway, yeah. a megabyte so, per minute. So this, uh, so all this talk about my personal situation is to say that no, I definitely don't agree with Verizon CEO. <laughs> uh, you know, but before I got off their old grandfathered unlimited plan, which was costing me a lot, I did the analysis that he, that a person might do. And I said, no, I'm not really actually using more than six gigs right. a month. And, and so I, I don't need to keep paying. Like they had this, if you were on Verizon, as long as I have, you could have had an unlimited plan, but then they were charging you, I think a $30 surcharge on top of it. And it wasn't worth it. You know, but yeah, now that sounds pretty rough. But now I'm looking at it. So my phone bill, you know, we cut the phone bill by like sixty bucks by going off unlimited between my wife and I. But you know, now you have this danger. And it the thing that's really kind of unfortunate about it too is that I believe they have a feature called like protection or like overage protection or something where you pay $5 a month for them not to charge you overages. Yeah, yeah. They... Which, which is terrible. <laughs> like, just don't charge people overages. How about that? You know? Because <laughs> like, I guess what it does is they'll cut you off or something or they'll drop you to 2G or, or some kind of punishment, yeah. but they won't charge you the extra $10 a gigabyte. Yeah. Um, uh, we. I have, for, for those who know me, I carry... Uh, three devices on two carriers and one of them is a device on Verizon and uh, it's the only consumer plan that I have so we went in to discuss it and they, they mentioned that and I'm like wait what Are, did you did you guys just create a, a telecom version of um, overdraft protection <laughs> yeah I mean or you could just not charge people for that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no there's no way that it costs them any money to do that. So it's just <laughs> like a pure, you know, we're gonna charge you not to charge you. Right. Should be charging you. Um if you think about it. Uh so you know, because of that overage stuff, I actually we my wife and I have had discussions about like should we switch to another carrier? Because you don't want that bill uncertainty. So what he's saying, the logic, the part where I could play sort of devil's advocate um, on, and be on his side, because I don't think like 99% of people would agree that you don't need unlimited data, is most people probably aren't using, uh, without even trying, they're probably not using more than, you know, five or six gigabytes a month. I think the last study I saw this was actually like two, two and a half gigabytes a month for the average person. But the fear of like bill uncertainty 
that you could, I don't know, be somewhere, stream a video for a little bit, or you think you're on Wi-Fi and your Wi-Fi was off. Uh-huh. You know, which happens a lot. Happens to me a lot, anyway. Um, and all of a sudden, your your bill is out of control. Like, that's that's why people want... That's one reason why people want Unlimited. They sure. don't want to have to think about it, like, oh, am I going to get get billed like this? So... It's not, um, you know, it's not. Uh, I, yeah, I, it's I not understand. necessarily a technological imperative, but there there are reasons why people want unlimited, like you said, because of bill certainty for one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, and look, it, they also are used to having unlimited in their home internet, right? And it seems like a false scarcity to me. Now, I don't know, and I don't know how many people actually who really does know. What does it actually cost the carrier to serve you a gigabyte of data? It's an interesting piece of information that I would be fascinated to hear a stat on. I mean, does it really work that way? Like, is it a sunk? Is it a sunk cost, or does it actually cost them like a lot more to to belt you out five gigabytes and to send you one, or is it just well, if everybody's using this amount of gigabytes, then we might eventually have to upgrade our network, which we should be doing anyway. Right. I have a feeling it's mostly around that. Um, right. When, when, whenever Verizon talks about it, they talk about the the cost of of bandwidth, and my guess is that the cost that they're talking about is the increase in the number of towers needed to be able to to support. The additional usage on a grander scale. I mean, shouldn't they be doing that already, though? You know, I mean, but we, you have the same, we have the same argument, we have the same argument about uh, wired home internet too, right? Doesn't Comcast actually impose a a cap now, a data yeah, cap? Yeah, there's a couple. Of, there's a couple of companies who have who have either test marketed it or brought it out. Uh, corporate wide and obviously it's terrible for it's terrible for the rest of the internet Mm -hmm. um, because you know they can say that we can't afford for people to be using unlimited data but at the same time then if you're the company that's that's a video provider if you're trying to you know run be the next youtube or Mm -hmm. you are youtube or whatever or your netflix or your Netflix, who is forty-five I percent mean, of all internet traffic. Yeah, I mean, I mean that I don't want to say that because that's the obvious one, but you, you know, and they can afford, like, they could probably afford to to pay for some of that bandwidth at some point. But um, Hulu but, probably can't. Right, but it's you know, it's 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 frightening. So you know, do I think people need unlimited data? I think they need unlimited data for the the bill certainty of it. I can even the companies like T-Mobile that claim to have unlimited data still throttle you at a certain point. Right. Maybe what Verizon is doing is more honest. Maybe they, uh, you know, true. Hey, we'll give you all the bandwidth that you want as long as you're willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. But the cost is very high. Yeah. And as things get, you know, the internet's not getting any smaller. That's for sure. Data. The, the things people use on the internet are not getting any any smaller. Web pages are not getting smaller. 
lot of video streams are not getting that much more more compressed. Audio streams are not getting more compressed. Nope. People are people are consuming them more, and what you're saying to them is like, no, you got to live like it's you got to live like it's 2000, and you're on your 56.6 modem. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know that's I how much data you can consume. So. And the faster you make it, too, the more people are going to consume. So, yeah. like, you're supposedly, I think, weren't they, aren't they talking now about how they're going to get to L, they have LTE Advanced and uh-huh. they're going to get to 5G? So, you're going to burn through your two gigabytes of data in like 10 seconds? Right. Because as you, as internet speeds get faster, um, the the likelihood, like, for for us, right? As, as, internet speeds get faster and storage on mobile devices gets larger. We just went from 480 to 720 on your feed. So there, there you go. Now we've gone up on the amount of storage, not by that much as it turns out, uh, the, the pilch point video size only goes up by about 16 meg on average, which is statistically insignificant on the grand scheme of how big your video files are. Um, and the, the full show only goes up about, uh, 40 for the full hour, um, going from 480 to 720. But I mean, still, if you, if you take that times, how many videos are, is somebody watching? If you're on the, on, you know, a a metered connection, whether it be your cellular or your home, as the speeds go up, so will the. So will the size of files, the quality of video, the quality of audio. If you're using, God, if you're using Tidal and you're getting files in FLAC, you have to be on a non-metered connection for that or you're crazy. Yeah. And also, you know, now granted this isn't really, most people are not doing this over wireless internet. But, I mean, think of all the Windows updates that people are downloading. And, you know, the I mean, how much bandwidth is that consuming? And and I wonder, Scott, you you know the business where Windows Windows now actually distribute turns your computer into a little bit of a distribution hub. Yeah. How much of your bandwidth that you're paying for is that consuming? Right. Right. Exactly. So. So. So, like the companies that that are you know like companies like Microsoft. They don't want you to have to worry about like, am I gonna run out of? Should I download this Windows update? Should I allow my computer to share this Windows update with other people? Right. Or am I running? Or is it gonna cost me? So you know what? I, I'm very glad to see the T-Mobile, I, to see the other companies, the other providers stepping up into unlimited. I'd like to see it be a real unlimited. Yeah. You know, not yeah. a we'll throttle you after X. Um, but at least there's some bill certainty there. And even if like the cap is like 25 gigs, that's pretty good at this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, so if you're, if you're in the chat room, uh, let us know what you think about, uh, unlimited cellular. If you're not, um, feel free to get us on social media and let us know what you think before we get into the pilch point here in just a second. I just want to warn everybody that we are in Florida. The main studio is in Florida. There is some lightning. There's always the possibility that uh, internet may go away. If that happens, um, we'll get stuff back as soon as possible. It's one of those things that sometimes happens. So um, 
we're back in that time of year. So I just wanted to put that out there real quick. <laughs> we'll get the show back together as quickly as we can. And so with that... This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. The Monster Blaster Boombox, which is a super cool product, uh, kind of a, a little bit of a retro throwback, but with pure monster sound available now. Plus, of course, the Monster Elements, which are the head- headsets on uh, my head right now, full over the ear, uh, Bluetooth and corded. They're a really cool headset available in five different colors. Plus, of course, cables and speakers and in-ear, on-ear, all kinds of headphones. Anything that you can think of, uh, something to fit your lifestyle, is available by going to f5live.tv slash monster. Music means it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Abram Pilch. There he is. Hey, I was trying to do this too before because I actually don't hear the music on my end. Yes. So I'm trying to like simulate when it would come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, I haven't quite figured out why you're not getting any of the music. Um, we'll work that out at some point in the near future. Anyway, the board was set to send it to you. (laughs) You have always really liked that music. It's the first time I've had a theme song. Plus, it like it sounds just like Judas Priest, and I love Judas Priest. So, uh, (laughs) anyway, so so this week I wanted to talk uh, in this segment. I wanted to talk about a little uh, side project I've been working on in my in my spare time that has um, and. The reason behind it, uh, I think, is an interesting discussion point, too. So uh, those of you who, who know me know that I do – that at work, I do a fair amount of of programming, things like extensions and even built parts of our website and CMSs uh, at my job. But none of that stuff is, is really public. Um, and a, a few weeks ago, I had the idea that, like, there's, there's something that's really anno- annoying me. Uh, in my web browsing experience, and could I build a simple Chrome extension uh, to to deal with it? And I have, and it, as of uh, as of this week, it's uh, available for free download in in the App Store, in the not apps, in the Chrome Web uh, Web Store with other extensions, totally free. Um, the name of the extension is Silent Sight Sound Blocker. I'll show you it in a minute. Uh, and what does it do? What it does is it allows you to whitelist sites uh, for audio, sort of like a firewall for audio. Because um, one of the things in your web browsing experience, so one of the things that I find really annoying, and I think probably most people would agree, is when you're is when you're doing some, something like you're at work or you're on a Skype call with someone. And all of a sudden, your browser just starts making noise. Unsolicited noise. Unsolicited noise. Like, you didn't realize it. Yeah. Um, and, and The bane of the old MySpace existence. <laughs> yeah. And it's embarrassing. Yeah. You know, like, 
Oh yeah. You know, like you 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 were on like a professional phone call, uh, Skype call with someone, let's say, and you were like, oh, this person's boring. I'm gonna like check out something over here. <laughs> they found out that I'm like not that I'm doing something in another window because, uh, you know. But even if you even if you're totally paying attention to them. Like it could be a background tab. Yeah. It could be something that you're legitimately like you should be looking at it, you know, at the time that you're looking at it. Yeah, God forbid make- God forbid you're having a conversation with somebody and you've got research for an article you're writing and all of a sudden one of those uh video ads just starts playing twenty minutes after the tab was opened. Right, exactly. So unfortunately on the internet today, and it's not just advertising it's editorial. There's autoplay videos. Yep. It's it's websites where they think they're being cute and they put like background music for the website. Uh, um, whatever uh, starts making noise, and your your computer should never make a noise without your permission. So, um, what this does is something that I that really ought to be built into every browser in the first place, which is allow you to set the permission by site for which sites can uh, can and cannot play audio in several different modes. So let me uh, let me show you briefly what it does, uh, it, how it works. It's in public beta. I will say it's in public beta because I'm still working out a couple of bugs in it, and you may find a couple of bugs. <laughs> uh, nothing terrible, but maybe hitting the, the block button won't work one time. I'm, I'm about to upload a new version tonight that fix a couple of bugs people found. Uh, but... Let me see. Wait, I'm trying to do share screen, and all of a sudden, it doesn't want to do it. It says invalid monitor handle. What What is happening to me today, Scott? <laughs> I I don't know. I, I am supposed to be able to share my screen with you, but apparently, invalid apparently, monitor handle. Wow. Invalid monitor handle. Have you ever had that in Skype? No, I, I understand what the error means, but it's surprising. It is it is very surprising. It seems like it should rescan for handles when you go to do it. Let's see. But that doesn't mean that it's going to. No, it doesn't. One sec. One more one more attempt and then I'll just talk. Oh okay. hey. That works. I'll tell you Okay. So you see my go. browser now. Um, okay. It's it's transitioning to your browser. There we go. Now we see it. Okay. So uh, in the corner over here uh, is the icon for is the icon for silent site. And what happens is by default it it supports four different modes. Um, allow whitelisted only is the default mode, and that means that by default every tab is muted and every site is muted. Until uh, until you whitelist it, but if you go to a site that wants to play audio, it will prompt you. Um, then there's other modes you could pick if you want. I recommend the default one, but there's block blacklisted only. That means you only list sites you don't want to play audio. Silence all, like if you want to just make sure everything is quiet on your browser, and allow all, which basically it means turn the plugin off temporarily. Uh, you can go to the options thing and you can actually see a list of all your black and white listed uh, sites. Here I had just for the heck of it, blacklisted YouTube. But um, let's say, for example, I go to a site that does uh, try to play audio like a, U- like a YouTube. Uh, 
Um, let's say I go, I don't know. I'm right. So, uh, it's muted. You can see over here, all new things are muted and then it's wanting to play audio. So you get this pop-up that this dialog box, right? And you have the choice to whitelist the site permanently, uh, allow it to play audio just this once, reject it just this once and it'll pop up next time or never allow it, which means it won't pop up a pop up result again, uh, pop up a, a prompt again. If it tries to play audio, it just won't, won't bother you with it. Um, if you're on a site that is uh, whitelisted, it will turn this white. If you're on a site that is uh, blacklisted, it'll turn like, see, oops, oops, see, that actually wasn't an oops, but you see what I did. I, I allowed it and then it turned the thing white. Uh, so um, anyway, uh, that's how it works. I encourage folks to check it out if they think this might be a useful thing for their lives. Uh, and uh, let me know what let me know what they think. There is an email address for comments uh, that I specifically have set up, Silent Sight at Geek in Chief. Uh, and I'd be curious if this is uh, something that you find useful or helpful. Uh, I set it up because I thought it would be a neat thing to solve, problem to solve for myself and that others might be interested. I'd be curious to hear what folks think. I really like that the dialogue that comes up is um, in traffic light style. Yeah, that was, that was uh, you know, that was the, the attempt. It, anyway. it totally makes sense. I, I really like. Now, if you're colorblind, you just have to read it. But um, which, which is fine. It still has all the text on it. So you're good. And, yeah. And I really like that it has that each button has an explanation of what it means. Yeah, cool. Well, my my hope is my hope is that people will will enjoy it. Uh, I do think eventually, uh, eventually, Chrome should step up and do and allow this. Chrome does have a mute tab feature, which is how this is able to work in the first place. Uh, and I've seen other extensions that allow you to mute all the tabs, but I've not seen one that allows you to create a complex whitelist or blacklist of sites that you want to play audio. Um, Firefox also can allow this type of functionality. Uh, I've been thinking make a version for Firefox. As far as I can see, Edge Edge does not allow this. Edge does not have a muting tab function as far as I can see. Uh, potentially not publicly, but you might be able to do it programmatically. I, I would be interested. I'd be interested to to find out. I looked so I looked, and so far I hadn't found anything. But I'll, I'll go um, look at some namespaces for you. But uh, it would be obviously. I think it's a feature that people would want. I think about. I used to have some firewall software in Harris. I mean, I think Windows Firewall still does it, where a new program wants to access the internet, and it has to ask your permission. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the same should be said for your sound card or your audio output. Yeah, I, I, un unfortunately, Edge or Chrome or Firefox would be your your new application. So that would be a little, you wouldn't get the nuance. That no, no, you no, get. no. I mean, like, I think, I think that should be true as a principle. Yeah. Obviously, I understand. Yeah. I mean, it should be true of the app, but it should also be true of the site. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the browser makers have to step up when it comes to the sites or people need to make extensions like this one. Um, uh, as far as the actual, like, 
when the operating system is concerned, I mean, there are ways using the Windows Device Manager. I think of like you have the volume slider, uh-huh. but that's a little bit dicey, I think, because you you don't see something until it's already producing sound, um, you know, until it's already making noise. Um, and one of my goals with this was to make quiet the default. Right. So instead of waiting for something to make noise and then you quiet it, which is how the regular you know, mute tab feature works in, in Firefox and Chrome is, oh, now this is making noise. I can make it quiet. Oh, but the ship's already sailed. You're embarrassed. You know, your right. boss hurt. Yeah, it's, it's already too late. You know, it's already too late. So the default, the default setting should not be noise but quiet. That's my, uh, my two cents in this matter. I, I totally agree. Uh, be, before, I, I love the idea. Um, I have played around with it um, some on my own as well. Um, if, if people want to get more information and uh, to, to download it for Chrome, uh, what was it called one more time? So you go to the Chrome store and uh, the Chrome uh, applications and search for silent site. Uh, it's actually silent site um, sound blocker. We were talking a few weeks ago about what to name it. Yeah. And I realized that some of the other ones were, there were things that were like that name. So I said, oh, okay, I'll go with, it was between this and Shut Up Chrome. Uh, <laughs> and I thought that while Shut Up Chrome was a really good distinction, I think there's another extension out there I found called Shut Up or something that gotcha. I didn't want to, uh, and I put Sound Blocker in there because that's what it does. So anyway, search for Silent Sight or Silent Sight Sound Blocker. And uh, please let me, uh, there's an email address in there specifically for comments. I would love to know what people think. Are there features they would like? Did they find this useful at all? What bugs did they find? Um, you know, uh, so I would, I would love for people to try it and let me know what they think. Very cool. Well, as always, uh, thank you for, for bringing us something interesting. And I really love that this time it's uh, something interesting of yours. I hope it is interesting. I definitely think that the problem, you know, no matter whether it's me or somebody else, that this is a problem that should be solved. Yeah, most definitely. I'm I'm totally with you on that. So, well, uh, again, thank you for bringing the information to us, and uh, I guess we will. And I'll see you. And and uh, if you want to see more of things I do that are for my main job as online editorial director for Laptop Mag and Tom's Guide. Please check out laptopmag.com, tomsguide.com, or check me out on Twitter at Chief. And course, I'll see you next week. And, of course, search for you on Facebook. Yep. All right. Well, we will see you back next week then. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Tate Comics, a uh, family-owned and operated comic, toy, kind of everything store in Lauder Hill in Boynton Beach, Florida. Um, one of the cool things about the store is that they do a lot of events. They recently did a Japanese snack tasting event, and coming up uh, next month, they have their monster tent sale at their main location where 
on October 15th and 16th. They'll have all kinds of uh, all kinds of deals on comics and toys and shirts and all kinds of things that uh, that Tate sells. And uh, to find out where the store is and to find out about their events and other information, you can go to tatescomics.com. All right. So this one's a little weird to talk about um, because it's a big brand that is about to transition away. Um, Almost 20 years ago, I believe 20 years ago next month, uh, Blizzard launched a service called Battle.net. And it was designed to bring online multiplayer gaming to a number of their titles at a time when the concept was a little crazy um you you the the idea of playing a game like warcraft 2 in multiplayer meant having multiple computers on the same network and having to set up you know a peer-to-peer and stuff like that um to be able to uh to play well battle.net made it internet-based at i mean in 1996 when a lot of the population hadn't even gotten involved in the internet yet you know what i mean like this was certainly ahead of its time um i i remember when they added it to warcraft 2 and it it allowed uh myself and my friend ryan to be able to play from home to home instead of having to be in the same room to play and it was just it was a crazy concept and uh this this week blizzard has announced that they are officially retiring the brand for a couple of reasons first the name certainly suggests online multiplayer which is like a, a technology type thing which at the time again 20 years ago a brand name that described what the technology was going to be totally made sense. Uh, but today, it's it's so just a thing that that having having the the network branded Battle.net doesn't quite make the sense anymore. Plus, it's only part of what the service is. You couldn't today. You couldn't survive on just online multiplayer. Um, you know, ask. Ask Microsoft and Sony, and they'll tell you that online multiplayer is nice, but you've got to have, you know, in-game chat. You've got to have game streaming. You've got to, there's all kinds of other things that come along with a service like this, and so the name no longer quite makes sense. So the brand Battle.net is officially over. Uh, you will start seeing the transition away from the name uh, starting already. Uh, some updates have already started to pull the brand out of games. And to be perfectly honest, the name hasn't been terribly prevalent in their games for a little while uh, because I think they've been preparing for this for a little while. Um, but going forward, uh, similar to what Microsoft and Apple have been doing with their product naming, uh, things will just start being called Blizzard something. So Blizzard Streaming, Blizzard Voice, things like that uh, is what the, the brand names for the individual feature sets will be called. And, uh, you know, it'll just all fall under the Blizzard Tech brand. So 
Makes sense to me. I mean, you know, it's it's always sad to see an old brand name go away, but it's not like the functionality is going away. Right. I mean, you think about some of the other brands that are trying to sort of consolidate on a brand that is still meaningful or to like take things that were sort of a sub brand and bubble them up to the parent brand like uh, like Google will allegedly be doing with the new phones, right? They're not going to be the Google uh, – they're Nexus. not going to be the Nexus brand anymore. They're going to be Google phones. Right. Right. So it makes, you know, Apple made an interesting decision a couple of years ago with the watch, right? It's the Apple watch. It's not the iWatch. Yeah. Um, well, they they totally lost control of the the eye branding. I mean, you could make an argument about the eye branding like you made with the Battle.net, right? Like yeah. the word, the eye was supposed to mean on the internet. But who cares anymore, right? right? Like everything's on the internet. It's like saying it. Hey, do you you know you visited my? If you click the hot link on my website, <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't hear people talk quite like that anymore. You know, it's just like, oh, is it? E-? I mean, you, there's a really good argument for saying not saying email anymore. Yeah, there's a really good argument to say it's just mail. Yeah. Then you should change the name to the thing that comes in the in in your in the mail in your physical mailbox to snail mail or something because right. which one do you get more of? Oh, certainly email. Right. So, <laughs> you know, I yeah. think all those arguments could be said about about BattleNet. Right. It it was it was highlighting something that was important at the time. Right. And and now is not so important to the brand. It was. It was a technological distinction that is no longer important. Yep. So at least they didn't at least they didn't suffer the same fate that Apple suffered where, you know, there's that company I devices that makes a, a grill thermometer. <laughs> a- Apple totally lost control of that branding. So <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, which is fine. It was it was far too generic for them to have been able to survive i i'm i'm glad they can't copy or they can't trademark a letter from the alphabet yeah right so um they certainly would have struggled with that considering logitech already had a product called the iphone but that's a whole different issue yeah uh so you know BattleNet will miss you sort of well, <laughs> yeah We'll we'll miss we'll miss the name we'll miss you know the the fact that the name kind of signified a, a change in in gameplay, but the technology is not going anywhere. Everything internally is still staying the same. It'll all still run on the same technology and servers and everything that it always has. It's just the name BattleNet is no more or soon to be no more. Just shy of its twentieth birthday. It will survive through its 20th birthday in pieces, but not long after it will be, it will be gone, wiped from gaming. But Hey, how many brands last that long? Right? Yeah. So it, it's an okay thing. Uh, it's, it's a brand that has, uh, that served its, its purpose. It changed the way we played video games. It inspired the PlayStation Network and Xbox Live. I mean, just a huge, a huge technology that isn't going away. Just a brand that is. So, 
that's all. Just an interesting topic. <laughs>
any other complementary products. What I see for Salesforce, um, and in the article at plugitslive.com, uh, I, I talk about this theory uh, that, that Salesforce could see um, the potential for integrating the trending topics data into uh, the, the contact management system to allow, um, like a, a PR agent, for example, could get a heads up that a story is starting to get out of their control. Or, or a, a salesperson could have a more um, modern and to the point pitch if there's a certain topic that's that's trending if if uh you know smart light bulbs is a is a topic that's that's getting a lot of traction right now somebody from GE may go down that path on a on a conversation about IoT rather than talking about uh you know IP cameras because the topic that's trending right now happens to be smart bulbs isn't most of that data though already available like do they need to own it to have that it it's available, but you'd be able to if you have the the information yourself. If you own the information yourself, um, and and this applies for for all four companies, but in very different ways. Salesforce and Microsoft, um, who are two of the four, it's it the big four right now are Google, Microsoft, Verizon, and Salesforce. So Microsoft and Salesforce have a a very strong relationship, and for both of them. I can see them pushing the data as it comes through, through an, an Azure neural network um, to be able to not just uh, process the data, but to learn um, and even start to predict before a topic starts to trend that it's coming, which is something that you wouldn't be able to do if you didn't own the data yourself. You, I know what the Twitter API allows for, and no company would be able to get enough information out of the API to be able to to make that kind of inf uh, informed inf decision. Yeah, I think the ones that makes uh, so Verizon is just trying to buy everything in the industry right now. There, there's certainly some of that, but they could also have the same general idea that that um, that Marissa Meyer had in purchasing Tumblr to help uh, steer content on you know, the Yahoo homepage within the editorial content of the AOL brands and Gadget and TechCrunch and things like that. Uh, you know, HuffPo, which is an AOL brand as well. They, you know, they, they could respond to, again, trending topics before they happen. I think Verizon right now is just on a buying spree. I think you're right. They, they just want to, and it's, I don't know. I wonder, I wonder what it is that they're really trying to accomplish. Like, it seems like maybe they've seen that, Hey, we've got a lot of money, uh, apparently from not having unlimited, <laughs> uh, you know, from people's data overages or from perhaps. charging that extra $30 a month. Yeah. Um, and they realize that none of these providers wants to just be known for being a pipe. They want to be, they want to control the content and experiences. So they're buying publishers, they're buying content. Um, 
Now, um, with something like Twitter, it's as close as Verizon is going to get to a internet-based telecom, which is the thing that they know the best. Yeah. So, I can, I can, I can see that. I just don't see. I can, you know, I can see that it brings some street cred to to Verizon and the data is worth something and I could see some you know possible advertising and street cred for Salesforce the two the Ver- two that Verizon is certainly the one that that makes the least sense to me right now it makes it makes the least sense to me also except that they just want to buy everything or they have some secret plan that is brilliant that we can't see yeah, I mean maybe it's they're possible. trying to to be the new content conglomerate. Well, they already are, right? They bought Yahoo and they bought AOL. AOL, uh, And that's a lot, you know, that's a lot of content right there. Um, But, but I think what's going on, I think with Google and with Microsoft, you have two companies that are trying to be like, they want to be like this, the starting point for people on the internet. Right. Mm -hmm. In some way, Microsoft has has LinkedIn and they have Bing. They haven't been super successful in social networking, Um, but they have all kinds of social things that people that people do with them. Yeah. Google similarly has Google Plus, which I like, but nobody else does. Um, And they have been kind of stripping for parts over the last 12 months. And they've been, you know, and people are constantly criticizing Google for not having this dominant social force, what are they going to do? Facebook, you know, is is getting more targeted ads and things like that. So, you know, for Google, this makes perfect sense. It immediately makes them like a huge, it immediately solves their problem. And they have enough money and enough other ways of integrating this that they don't need it to be a huge profit center. Right. There's plenty of there's plenty of value to them and to Microsoft, but there's plenty of value to them just in the data to be worth whatever they purchase it for. I think there's value in the cross promotion. Mm -hmm. I mean, the like, for example, what if they take Twitter and they find a way? I think they wouldn't call it Google Plus anymore because Google Plus is a sullied brand name. You know, yeah. but what if they took the concept that's in Google Plus, like we have people with pages and feeds, so things a lot more information than you have in Twitter, and we and we you make an extension of Twitter, and then we tie Twitter to your Google account. Mm-hmm. You know, now we're really cooking with gas because now we have the data that we have about you. We're integrating it with the other services that Google provides, which everybody's on. So, I don't know. I think. Honestly, I've never been sold on on Twitter as a concept. Like, I don't understand why it's so popular. I still don't. I, I don't get it. I'm like, totally with you. I don't get it. So all. So basically, the only thing that is going for is a hundred. Is that they cut you off after 140 characters. So why don't they just hire somebody to just like, to just, why don't they just hire an editor for everyone to give them a story, a pay, uh, like a, a word count. I mean, this it's ridiculous. That's the whole thing. I. I know. I, I mean, it doesn't even seem like a business. What it seems like is a web protocol. Like, should it even yeah. be run as a as a business? Or sh- in the olden days, this would be something that would be like 
a protocol along with like IRC and Gopher or something. It's like it's yeah. not a it's not a going it's not a except for the membership, it's not really a business. It's a it's a format. Yeah. And, and I think and I think like where where the concept could have thrived if it were handled as a as a protocol instead of a product would have been right now in the IoT world to be able to push guaranteed messages. Yeah, I think that's the other thing is that Twitter was actually one of the things that made Twitter was how good the clients were and the API were when all these other sites, all these other publishers were able to create Twitter clients. Uh-huh. And then they then they pulled the rug out from that. Yeah. Uh, basically because they realized, okay, we built audience, now we want to make money. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be death to the platform if they, if somebody buys it who's just trying to make money. Yeah. It's going to be death because people liked the platform because people liked the platform because it wasn't so much like a business that's trying to push things on you. Right. It was just, it was like a protocol. Someone like Google or Microsoft could, could look at this as like we don't need this to be a, we don't need to make a lot of money off of advertising with this. Let's open up the APIs again. Mm-hmm. This is great for us because it means people are going to be signing up for accounts with us and exposed to more of our services. Right. Like maybe if you're on Twitter, it's better for you to use Outlook.com mail than to use some other mail. Right. Maybe it's there's some integration or something. So, you know, I, I think those are the sites that benefit from it. I think Salesforce, Verizon are probably going to look for, hey, how do we, how do we churn money out of this? And if you think about it, Twitter is has achieved something as a brand that's absolutely incredible, which is that it is thought of as a public utility when, in fact, it is a private business. Yeah. I mean, the news reporting and the way that people use Twitter is as if it weren't they weren't just referencing someone's brand like this entire election cycle has been about who tweeted what like that's that's been the whole like every day you turn on what did such and such tweet oh and what did someone else tweet about it yep and like now you could argue that's lazy journalism by the way but <laughs> to be writing a story about what people tweeted yeah. but um but there it is what people say on twitter has become a news story that is what keeps Twitter going is that people think of it as like a public forum, public utility yeah. uh, place, not as some business that they're a member of. And I think once the place beca- once it becomes too much of too much about monetizing and promoting Twitter as a brand, I think they I think they could have a problem. So whoever buys it um, for Twitter's sake, and I'm not too concerned about Twitter. We could, we could be without it. It'd be okay. Um, for Twitter's sake, uh, you would hope that someone buys it who has a vision for in, for integrating Twitter into a social into a social platform. You know, using Twitter as a centerpiece of a larger social platform, rather than someone who just looks at this and says, "I think I know how to make to, to monetize this yeah. right now." Yeah, I know, I know where cash can come from, and, and that's not where the success will be. Uh, for for Google or Microsoft to buy it and you know integrate it into their social strategy, into their data collection strategy, into you know being able to to uh, serve better results in Google and uh, Google News and 
MSN based on, you know, trending topics on Twitter and things like that. I think there, there, there's a lot more value than just how do we figure out how to directly monetize Twitter, which I think you're right is likely where Verizon and or Salesforce would try and go with it. But I think Google and Microsoft, and again, they, the, those two may have plans that we don't understand. Verizon has to have something going on, either insane or real. They've got to have something going on because they're buying lots of stuff. But, you know, for Google and Microsoft, I think uh, the the membership and the the weird constant stream of data is going to be where they find their value. So anyway, um, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, Twitter uh, is reportedly interested in, in the talks and those four are the ones who have come out of it. So it'll be fun to watch over the next, it'll be 12 plus months before, you know, if nobody's talking yet, it'll be a while before anything happens. But it'll be interesting to see if anybody gets in or out and uh, where it goes. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove Music. 40 plus million tracks available to stream and download unlimited right now of course uh depending on your data caps uh so uh uh for 9.99 a month you can stream unlimited all you want and download all you want up to three devices and your platform of choice does not matter whether it be windows and windows phone xbox one and xbox 360 ios android or in your browser you can use it anywhere that you have internet access at any point or not because we've all been to the gym and uh the internet doesn't work in there so that unlimited downloading is wonderful as well you can get a free 30-day trial right now you can purchase by the month or by the year by going to f5live.tv slash groove see and there is another good reason for uh for downloading the songs because you don't have unlimited data if you're on Verizon, yeah. for oh, example, ab- absolutely, very. It's very, very important. Uh, you know, very, very important. No, no doubt about it. It's it's interesting how everything seems to be coming back to that uh, tonight. <laughs> yes, Duh. Oh, I but, like I like it when there's a topic that keeps coming back. <laughs> but you know, that's only because you know that when you're at home, you can download them and you have you have good unlimited or close to unlimited bandwidth at home right exactly so in the streaming world uh netflix has an interesting plan we know that netflix original content and not just netflix the hulu and amazon original content has been good um you know the the guys who got in originally to stream licensed content at some point decided that originals were where the market was going and Netflix has kind of doubled down on that concept over the next couple of years. They want 50% of the content on Netflix to be original content, which is uh, quite a lofty goal. Hopefully it doesn't mean that they're going to significantly cut back on their licensed content. Well, 
you know, I'm one who would say that a lot of the licensed stuff on Netflix is not not that great. Uh, I mean, every now and again, I'll see something that I um, that I want to see mm-hmm. in the licensed content, but there's a lot of junk in there. So That's if they sure. cut if they cut out some of it, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's quite a different experience. I think Netflix from say Groove Music or another music streaming service where their goal is to be they're they're likely to be very close to comprehensive like they'll have most artists and most albums you can't say that about netflix or hulu right for sure they have a smattering of thousands of movies and shows but it never seems like the movie to me it never seems like the movie or show that i want to see is there um but they're original content a lot of it is is pretty decent uh, i was surprised to see the other day i just said this open my browser right now how many original um netflix shows and i guess also movies uh already exist yeah i mean you're talking about i'm just looking through here and i'm paging through their list of original things and it's like easily at least a hundred items more six six hundred hours of original content to be released in 2016 and 450 hours of original content was released in 2015 now to look at some of these things you know that are on here i don't know you know i hadn't heard of like 90 percent of them and they don't look appealing to me but (laughs) But for somebody, you know, they might be. I would say they don't have to appeal to everybody. Uh, There's one that I am always surprised appeals to anybody, and that's Chelsea Handler. But um, (laughs) I was was surprised to find out she's supposed to be a comedian. I had no idea. Anyway. um, (laughs) But, yeah, they actually have put out a lot of garbage, you know. Um, I mean, now, some some, mixed with some absolutely brilliant things, like – that that you wouldn't get on network television. Yeah, like Stranger Things, that kind of thing you'd never see on network television for sure. Yeah, and you might see Stranger Things on like an FX or something like that. Sure. Uh, or an AMC or type of or cable. potentially up to HBO or Showtime. Yeah, but uh, you know, so if you think of Netflix as being like an HBO type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they're putting out probably more good content than than HBO is. Sure. Um, I mean, I love the I love the Marvel shows that they have. Yeah. Jessica Jones and Daredevil, and I'm so psyched. This Friday is going to be Luke Cage. Yep. Uh, is com- is coming. Um, and really loved Stranger Things. They've absolutely rocked it with stuff like Orange Is the New Black. A lot of people like House of Cards. Yep, um, that's the that's the one I can never come up with. You know, but other things, I don't know. I don't get it. Why on earth? Why on earth did people want to see like more Full House? Like, was reviving a, sh- <laughs> a sitcom from the eighties like the thing to do with the that with the, all that Netflix money? Uh, it's sadly it's not the only one there's there's between broadcast and cable and uh netflix and hulu there's like eight or nine 
of that kind of show all in the works right now. But there's there's a lot of like there's a Magnum PI sequel. Really? Yes. With the daughter. Where's that gonna, with where's the daughter that is the be? lead. I don't remember. The daughter of Magnum PI. Yeah. He had children? Did he? I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I can't speak to that that much. But I can only tell you what comes I, across the wire to me. I, so I think they've made some. <laughs> stuff i think they've made some st- i mean there's a lot of people who love narcos um but if you go if you have an netflix account and you go through some of the things that they have eh, yeah i don't know these things i'd actually watch i mean but they, they gave adam sandler money they they whoever did that should be fired <laughs> they, they paid adam sandler to make movies for them like that 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 whoever did that it shouldn't be working anymore. Okay, um, the the Western comedy that he did with a, a bunch of other actually legitimately funny people um, was pretty good. Oh, it was. <laughs> but, I mean, I like some of his old movies, but man. Uh, you know, this but, kind of felt like it was in that category. Like it it was a little bit like old school Adam Sandler, like old school SNL type laugh out loud funny and it had a good ensemble cast plus it was a parody of you know a real movie so that always adds a a level of amusing intrigue to it but anyway to just broadly comment on this yes that's a good idea for them to be in original content because the licenses the licenses for other people's content seem to come and go and they they can only do so much for you they don't set you apart right it, it always because today, you know, today, Heroes is on Netflix, but it goes away at the end of the month, and it'll probably show up on Hulu in October. So it, you know, licensed stuff simply doesn't set you apart because it just bounces from service to service for the most part. Also, I find, and I know people who are cord cutters, total cord cutters, and I'm not, don't don't have this issue, but I find that the television shows that they have on there, for the most part. If it was a show I was really interested in seeing, I probably saw it when it was originally on. Right. So I don't need to see Netflix to, you know, like I saw Heroes when it was on. So, um, you know, but uh, so more power to them. Uh, it is great what they can do with the format. I think it's really innovative that they have this idea of just posting all the episodes at once. Mm-hmm. Um, Except again for Chelsea Handler, I guess people can't deal with that much of her at once <laughs> well that it does sort of leave off it does kind of leave off the suspense though right because you just you just got through the whole thing and then it's like oh man now another year is going to go by and i'm not going to know what happens yeah um but uh, yeah I, I mean i i give them props for you know they're able to try different types of content and different types of formats and things that are a little bit more daring uh, than you would see on network television and probably on some cable networks. So uh, good for them. I mean, that yeah. that really has to be the future for them, right? That's for why, sure. This is probably why Verizon is getting into buying publications, right? Right. Because content is king. Right. And just being a distributor of content uh, is is you know is nothing. There's nothing fixed about that. Like, great, I could distribute content today. These other companies can leave tomorrow. And, and remember, other companies actually have an incentive to to pull their content from Netflix because they're, they want to go it on their own, right? right. Like CBS is going to have that CBS All Access. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have anything on Netflix right now anyway, but 
CBS is kind of the oddball in the streaming world. They're, they're the only major media company that is, doesn't have ownership in Hulu, which means none of their stuff's on Hulu. That CBS is kind of the oddball right now. Yeah, I mean it, it's, but you know anyone could come along and say like NBC could come along and say we're just going to pull all of our stuff and how much stuff that's actually owned by NBC is on Netflix? Quite a lot. Yeah. You know, if you count things that are on Sci-Fi Channel, it's also NBC Universal, yeah. whatever. So yeah, all the Com- Comcast stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, someone could come along and just like pull the rug out from them pretty quickly, and and, and this well, allows that to not kill you. Right. And so yeah. you have to have your own your own value proposition, and this is a very strong one. So so, so long as they them. can, so long as the quality skews more towards. You know, Orange is the New Black and Stranger Things versus uh, the the Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, yeah. I've also that's found that's going to be the like, thing. Some of the kids shows that they had were not that great. Um, you know, and uh, I really, wouldn't have an opinion on it. <laughs> and really, well, I would because I try to find things to watch with yep. my son. And uh, for example, we we saw that movie uh, Peabody and Sherman, which is a good movie to watch with kids, FYI. Okay. Uh, and Netflix took the movie, which had been not released by them, and they made their own series, which is completely nothing like the movie. Oh. The animation is a different style. The concept of the movie was this kid and his uh, dog, who's his father, is father. The dog is the father. Are time traveling in the show? They're running like their own nighttime talk show, like Johnny Carson or whatever. It's just like a completely different concept. That's weird to, to trade on the same thing because the so, movie is based on the TV on show. show. Yeah, yeah. that right. was the same general concept. It's right. weird that they would have. T- taken such a departure from what had been successful in two different formats yeah it's sort of like i don't know remember when they had space ghost coast to coast or uh-huh. whatever they took a cartoon character and they made them sort of a talk show host yep that's that's sort of what they were trying to accomplish and it Weird. doesn't work at all Weird. but you know so there's there's things like that that i think there was another uh show that they had done that with too like the, that movie home which is an okay movie for kids, and then they have a show of it, which is completely not good. So, like, again, not all their stuff is good. Right, right. And again, say that about any network on television. So, But if you if you look at, at Netflix's original content and, you know, give it a score versus CBS's, and, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I give it a, yeah, I think I give it a, a seven versus C, CBS. Right. So, I mean, it's it's a huge difference. And I don't I don't know that anybody on a quality and a, um, viewer engagement level is even close to what Netflix gets. So, yeah, if they can keep the quality up while producing more content, then they'll be OK. But if they if their quality slips, you know, then their value proposition falls apart. So it, it's a good I think you're right. It's a good uh, business decision for them so long as they're able to hold up to themselves. Yep. Nope, that one. There we go. I almost, I almost played the wrong music. 
That is our show. Thank you to those of you who have joined us either live in the chat room or by subscribing at f5live.tv. Uh, if you want to join us, we are Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. And of course, you can subscribe at f5live.tv by uh, clicking the subscribe buttons on the right-hand side. We uh, definitely appreciate everybody who has joined us. We have one more normal show coming up next week, and then Roboticon after that, which will be all kinds of crazy. Uh, look for our videos from uh, Pinellas Comic and MakerCon to be published in the next uh, couple of weeks. And uh, then, of course, all the Roboticon stuff after that. Uh, and like we said at the beginning of the show, CES is way too close. So that will be coming very soon, and there will be a lot of changes for for our coverage, but all in good ways. So uh, I guess on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott, and we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.